Welcome to the simulation. Yes, it's me. I'm back, and we're back. Mike Cernovich, Cernovich.com, here to talk about the simulation, the simulation hypothesis, which I've been thinking about um, off and on for at least 20 years. Probably I began thinking about it, this is before The Matrix. I was reading a book called The Mind's Eye. It was a collection of essays by philosophers Daniel Dennett and Doug Hofstadter, and the, the nature of consciousness and human experience has always interested me, and as well as perceptual reality, because most of us don't know we are time travelers. What we are perceiving has to be interpreted by our brain through our expectations about the world, and then we take action based on those interpretations. So an easy way to illustrate this is an optical illusion. An optical illusion shouldn't exist, right? You, you look at it. You say, well, that can't be real. But they use shadows and angles and other devices to trick your brain. Your retina sees it, and your brain interprets it in a different way. And I've always just thought, well, what if what if our brains are wired to interpret things in a way that isn't real? And that's the hard, or that's what I consider actually the soft simulation. So the way I look at a simulation theory and the simulation hypothesis, as it's known, is there's a hard and a soft simulation. The hard one would be that we live in a computer game, we live in a form of VR, and everything we see is just ones and zeros, and we're actually, maybe maybe we're a replacement skin. I don't know if you've watched Altered Carbon. Maybe we're a, a skin being occupied by someone else, but th those are complicated questions because a lot of what has been shown in consciousness research and consciousness theory is that there there is no mind-body dichotomy. The idea that you could just leave your brain, jump into another body, and be the same person isn't true. There's, there's biofeedback. There's all this regulatory processes happening between your intestines, which actually your gut um, holds up to 50% of your dopamine and serotonin, which are feel-good chemicals, relative to your brain, right? So the way you feel is you think determined by your big brain, but it could actually be determined by your gut, your second brain. So if you took your consciousness out of your brain or your mind wherever it's located and you implanted that into another body, it would, there would be adjustments. It would be quite startling, actually. Physiologically, a lot of things are going on. So it isn't just that we're a little microchip you can implant in another body and live your life. This is a bit of a side, by the way. That's more consciousness rather than simulation. The hard simulation hypothesis is quite compelling, and it goes as follows. Any sufficiently advanced technology would be able to create a simulated reality. We are seeing simulated realities in our own world. We are seeing virtual reality, which if you put on a virtual reality goggle, a lot of people, when they take the goggles off, they feel woozy and sick. They don't know which is, well, you, you still know which is real and which is not. But the technology is getting such that eventually you won't be able to distinguish between so-called real reality and VR. Therefore, it makes sense if you look at the age of the universe that a society has reached sufficient technological processes in a way that they can create a simulation. Now, you can't prove this, why it's called a hypothesis. How do you prove you're living in a simulation? Well, I can prove I'm living in a simulation because I can show you the simulation. But how do you know that's the simulation? How do you know that that's not just a different layer of reality? It's really hard to prove. For example, 
if you take, I don't advocate drug use, if you have taken DMT or 5-MeO-DMT or ayahuasca and you see fractions, like fractals, or however you say it, people call it sacred geometry, is that the computer code? Is really everything around us, ge geometric patterns and figures of various colors, but if all we saw were geometrical patterns and we ourselves would be geometrical patterns, then it would be impossible to distinguish reality. It would be impossible to distinguish what would kill us and what wouldn't kill us. What would a snake look like? What would a you know venom look like? What would a cliff look like? How would you know where something begins and something ends? And I can tell you that when I did 5-MeO-D, and again, I do not advocate drug use, but when I personally took five or smoked it actually when I smoked five MEO DMT I, I reached a point where two things happened one is I did see the what people call sacred geometry and there there's an artist actually I'll put it in the podcast show notes who has images indicating what I saw so when my eyes when you smoke five, I'm not saying when you when I smoked five MEO DMT it's called liftoff because you you fall back it's it's that quick. There is no oh I took um I took a hit. I'm gonna go take another hit. What am I gonna do? And you just you fall back. So in my case I was on an air mattress. That's usually how people do it. Is you're sitting on an air mattress upright, you take a hit, boom, you fall right back. And when I fell back, I felt like me had been removed physically from my body, like just sucked out. And it was actually startling. It was terrifying. For a second, I felt like I was dying. I had lost all control. I lost all power over myself. And I was just like, I don't like it. I feel like I'm dying because I, me, the ego, ego has a bad connotation. I just mean ego in the sense of knowing you exist, knowing there's a me and the me is separated from this broader world. You have to have an ego or you would die because if you viewed everything as being truly connected, which it is, but it's not. For our physical bodies to exist, you have to live as if everything is not connected because you would jump off a, you'd fall down off a cliff, right? You wouldn't have a sense of space or a spatial orientation. So I sat back there. I, I felt terrible. Oh my God, I, I feel like I'm dying. I'm dying. I hate this. I hate this. And I, I kept trying to go back into my body. So I had a separation between whatever I was and my body, but I felt a little sick and I felt like I was sucked out of it in a tube. And all I wanted to do was get back into my body. Now, if you're an intelligent person, you're going to think, well, four minutes ago, you said in terms of consciousness that there is no you, mind, body separation. <laughs> and, and that's why these issues, even if you've experienced them, even if you've thought deeply about them, even if you've experimented with things, that is why these issues are so hard to communicate in words. And they're hard even if you've lived it to understand it. So I experienced the sacred geometry, the code of the world, whatever people want to call it, I experienced a sensation as if me or I had been sucked out of my body. And then I felt myself start returning to my body. So I was laying down in the air mattress. And when I came back from, I know it's not really a trip necessarily, but when I came back, I looked and I saw my arm and my legs, but I felt as if I had been like, jello or something i just become one with the air mattress and that was it was as if i didn't have a body and it was as if i did not have the air mattress there was no air mattress everything was connected in that moment in time and i'd known from experimenting with lucid dreaming 
that what you want to do to get in touch with your body is you look at your your arm or an appendage or something to to ground yourself. So for example, if you lucid dream and you want to wake up in your dream, then you say, am I awake or am I asleep? And you focus on an astral part of your body and you just look at it, think about it. And that's what I had done as I was coming back from the, the 5-MeO-DMT and I looked and I, but I couldn't move the arm. But I kind of had a sense I had an arm, but I also felt like I was connected to everything all at once. There was no disconnect between me and the rest of the world. Now, in one sense, that's beautiful. Everything's connected. Love. It's a great thing. I'm not being um, dismissive of it. But you would literally not survive in a physical body if that is how you interacted with the world. You would you would literally die. You, would, you wouldn't know what a twig was because everything's connected. You wouldn't know how to differentiate between food and berries and everything. So the theory goes... We, whatever we are, evolved to filter out the geometry that we see everywhere and to just draw patterns, but really these patterns are just a figment of the imagination. So if I'm looking right now, for example, I'm looking at a um, dongle that, that connects my, there you go, you just heard it hit, that connects my USB cable to my MacBook, which connects it to my microphone because... Allegedly, Apple wanted to make a smaller computer, so because of that, they removed the USB port, but we really know that so they could sell us a $40 cheap plastic dongle that breaks. Anyhow, this dongle just has shapes, but it's not really what it is. If I, if I could truly perceive reality, I would just be swirling around a bunch of shapes and colors, and I would have no sense that there was a separation between the dongle that I'm holding and my actual hand. And speaking of which, that is going to be edited in ways that I can't even perceive. I'm spinning around I'm spinning around a dongle. That will definitely not be edited and end up in a selectively edited video. And be that as it may. That's the thinking. That's why we've evolved and that's why we live and that's why we perceive the world a different way. But our brain is actually just processing all this geometry. And then that could also be because we're part of a simulation where it's just computer. When you see the patterns, the fractals, and everything—it does look like your. It just looks like a computer. It's look. It looks like code. And then our physical bodies filter this code, but our physical bodies are really just VR machines for the sufficiently advanced technology, or sufficiently advanced um, people, aliens, whatever you call them, um, civilization that has made us. So they're occupying us now. Elon Musk made the fascinating point about the heart simulation which is that when you watch an action movie, an action movie is exciting. But if you film an action movie, it's boring to watch it happen. It might take you a year to film, say, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That may take a year to film, and the filming day by day is actually boring. But if you watch the movie, you're captivated, you're thrilled, you're excited. So therefore, if we are living in a simulation, and we are virtual reality machines for sufficiently advanced cybernetic organisms or whatever thing that there is, they probably live in a world, a completely different world of time, right? Or, or otherwise, why would they have our lives? Because our lives are, I'm not going to say boring, but there's a lot of lag time in reality, right? You, you wake up and there's a lot of drudgery. There's a lot of boredom. There's a lot of things that just sort of have to be done 
that are banal. There are things that even if you live an exciting life, which, if anything, (laughs) my life is too exciting. May you live in exciting times. There's a reason that's referred to as a kind of a hex. So you think they they must live in a completely different time, and then I just started thinking more about that. I'd never heard that point argued before. And then you would think maybe they've reached immortality. And if you reach immortality, that there would be nothing more tedious than living hundreds of thousands of years. Or maybe it's a society that is in a um, around not necessarily in a black hole. We don't know what would happen in a black hole. But maybe they finally achieve their dream of space and they're on a spacecraft somewhere. But if you're on a spacecraft, almost all space is empty, right? From our perspective, we look up and we say, these stars are beautiful. What an amazing galaxy. Everything is gorgeous. But if you actually got out there, something is beyond the human comprehension, unless maybe you're Elon Musk, certainly beyond mine. And if anybody can comprehend this, then God, you know, you're amazing. But it's like 99.9999999% empty space. So if you, if we became an intergalactic species as humans and we got out into space, most of our time, unless we achieved faster than light travel or something, which appears to be impossible, most of our time would just being spent in darkness and in black space. And then you would want to accelerate the subjective feeling of life and so therefore you would jump into our little meat sacks that we have. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know and there's no way to prove it, which is again is why it's called the simulation hypothesis. And that's what I call the hard simulation hypothesis and here's why I call it the hard one. The hard one means that the physical rules are governed by a computer program. The computer program was created by a sufficiently advanced human civilization. What we perceive to be real isn't actually real. It's just our interpretation of codes. That I don't know is true. The soft simulation is the sense that we live in a socially constructed reality. That I know is true. I know it's true because we all spend a lot of time online now. People talk about, well, I'm afraid to say the wrong thing online. They might come for me. Who is they? Who is the simulation? It's the hive mind. It's the rules that we live in. And the rules are socially constructed. What is offensive today, mortifying today, wouldn't even have passed as offensive 100 years ago. In fact, it might have been accepted as true. Now, that doesn't mean it was right. We're not talking about morals. We're just talking about how what the rules are we live by. They are socially constructed as a social agreement, as a social contract. Social contract theory, of course, goes back to Locke, at least in terms of influencing the founding fathers. It goes back to Rousseau. It might go back to the Greeks even. It's a concept as long as we've had democracy itself is the idea that there is a social contract. But if you ask the person, well, show me the social contract. I never signed the social contract. But it's just you get it, right? You live in a culture. The culture says, here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. You know when you've done the wrong thing because you get – it's like you get electrocuted. If you do the right thing, then you get positive reinforcement. We also know that – and this again goes to the, the cyber, how we all are cyborgs. So this is a point from Scott Adams. So either Scott Adams and Elon Musk talk a lot or they talk to the same people. My hypothesis would be they talk a lot. I don't know that personally. But Adams had made a point, which is we're all cyborgs now. And I had a very bizarre sense of that. I was walking around in Washington, D.C. before an event. So this must was back in February. And I had headphones on. And I'm listening to, you know, binaural beats to change my mood, to change my, the way I feel. 
and I'm holding an iPhone, texting with people. And how is that different from being a cyborg? It's only that these we think of them as being separate, but they're really not. When I hold my phone and when you hold your phone, your phone makes you feel a certain way physiologically. You get a text message. I'm leaving you. But you're, you're going to feel a certain way because of this device in your, in your hands. It's going to affect dopamine. It's going to affect serotonin. It's going to affect literally your physical experience. If you put on headphones and you listen to certain kinds of music, maybe you want to feel a little melancholy. Listen to um, Radiohead. I'm a creep. You feel a little melancholy or maybe a little nostalgic, whatever, whatever age group you are. You want to feel hyped. You listen to you know Metallica, hip hop, or something. You want to feel. And in my case, I listen to a lot of binaural beats for the focus, for the attention. So I have electronic devices that are simply sending waves that are interpreted by my ears and the the hairs. Actually, it's the hairs inside that vibrate a certain way, and then it causes my brain to have certain thoughts. It's all very amazing when you really think about. The hu- th- this human thing that we are, when you just think about this human thing that we are, is mind-blowing. You pick up a laptop and you feel a certain way. You pick up your iPhone and you're inter- interpreting data. You put on, you know, how many tweets did I get or likes on my Facebook or my friends liking my Facebook. Or, or in my case, I actually, if I have dopamine overload, my brain has become, I feel sick um, because I get so much feedback that my introverted brain processes these things differently than an extrovert. So with me, I'm like, uh, I feel phys- physiologically I feel sick, even when I'm getting, because it's just too much. And then you put on your headphones, so you think, yeah, we are cyborgs. How is that different than putting a microchip in yourself that would um, regulate your your hormones? I want to feel a certain way, so you, you put in a chip. And then, of course, I, I've been, so again, that's, so, but the way we feel is again based on socially constructed reality, right? Because if I do something wrong, I get that feedback from the hive mind. If I do something right, I get that from the feedback. So the the, the Elon podcast was phenomenal. I'd like to see Elon talk to Scott Adams or somebody. I don't want to throw shade on anybody, but just somebody who's a little more you. If you're going to talk to Elon Musk, you need to be on your A game. You need to be focused. You need to do some reading on these subject matters just to really understand and to take Elon into to deeper waters on this stuff. So maybe read, you know, Snow Crash or The Diamond Age. Read Neil Stevenson. I, I would love to see maybe Neil Stevenson and Elon. Just I want to see somebody take Elon to a really, really deep because Elon's IQ is so high, none of us could ever fully comprehend his subjective experience of reality. But at the very least, I wanted to take them deeper because there was so much interesting conversation about the simulation. And in, in a way, ironically, Elon is dealing with the soft simulation, the socially constructed simulation. What is stock price based on? Human feeling. Literally. People can say, well, there's numbers and charts. The numbers for Tesla have always, always been, um, number-wise, an irrational investment. But socially constructed reality just says that everybody feels a certain way about Elon, about the future, about the cars, about you name it. And then that influences stock price. So Elon's living in either a hard simulation controlled by computers or a soft simulation controlled by socially constructed reality. The animal spirits, as it's been called in terms of the market. What is the market? Well, the market is socially constructed reality. The market is a soft simulation. And that soft simulation dictates your life. If the stock market doubled tomorrow, your physical body would be impacted. You would feel amazing. You'd feel a certain way. Life would change. People would spend money differently. 
This market is another form of the simulation of the soft simulation, the socially constructed simulation. And then you become, of course, once you realize these truths, this is not just speculation. Once you realize these truths, then you can become an architect of the simulation. So Elon is an architect of the simulation. But that's a conversation for another day. When, I don't know, maybe tomorrow, the Cernovich podcast is back. Do you want to talk more about the simulation? What questions do you have? There's actually a reading list about the simulation. Go to Cernovich.com forward slash podcast. I'm going to be posting the new podcast there and I'll share um, show notes and a reading list so you can think more about these issues. Cernovich.com forward slash podcast. Do you want to talk more about the simulation? Leave a comment there. I'm having a lot of fun. I can't wait to, to read your comments. And like I said in the previous podcast, we are back and we are going and we don't want to talk about this political stuff. We want to talk about the true nature of reality, the, the simulation, socially constructed reality, the, the power of mass ecology and influence, these amazing principles of life, these timeless principles, mindset, you name it, that's where we're headed. Go to C-E-R-N-O-V-I-C-H dot com forward slash podcast.